we're in this series called I Am. And when Gabriel and I were talking about the series and he asked me, you know, which one of the I Am statements of Jesus do I wanted to, did I want to preach about today? Uh, I said, well, when I planted a church, I named it Vine. So I'll take I Am the Vine. Uh, that's the one that I'll talk about. And uh, so that's what we're talking about today. For those of you who may not know, about uh, seven, eight months ago, uh, a church that my wife and I had planted and started here in Trustville, we joined the Gateway family. We merged together back in August of 2022. Super excited uh, all, with all that God has done the past few months and being able to be here. So if you were from Vine Church and you started with us there, you've heard some of this, you know, about once a year I would preach on it there. Uh, but for those of you who are from Gateway and, and weren't at Vine at all, this might be brand new and it might not. But I heard this story a number of years ago and I thought it was a, a great story. It just kind of illustrates what a, a lot of the Christian life looks like at times. And I think it'll go along with what we're talking about today. And the story goes like this. A, a dad goes up to his child, to his son and says, hey, son, I need you to go clean your room. So the son says, okay, all right, dad. Dad comes back a little bit later and checks and says, hey, did you clean your room? The son says, I committed to memory what you said. The dad says, uh, uh, okay, but did you clean your room? He's like, not yet, but I memorized that you told me to clean my room. Okay, the dad says, well, just go clean your room. The son says, all right, great. A little while later, the dad comes and, and checks on his son and says, well, did, did you clean your room? The son says, I got with a bunch of my friends. And we talked about how cool it was that you said we should clean our rooms. We talked about it. We thought it was awesome. We studied it like in the original Hebrew and Greek that you said to clean our rooms. The dad's like, uh, but did you clean your room? The son says, well, well, not yet. We're getting to it. We're going to get to it. He says, okay, just, just go clean your room. All right, dad. All right. Dad comes back a little bit later and checks on his son one more time and says, did you clean your room? The son says, check it out, dad. I got what you said tattooed right here. It says, go clean your room. Isn't that cool? Dad's like, but did you clean your room? Well, no, not yet, but I'm going to. See, I got it tattooed to remind myself to go and clean the room. And the dad says, can you just clean your stinking room? I think a lot of times the Christian life is about doing the things we already know we're supposed to do. Versus just learning new things or going over the same things over and over again. Sometimes I think God's like, well, it, just do the things you know to do and you're going to be all right. Nothing wrong with small groups. Nothing wrong with getting together with friends. We lead a, Brooke and I lead a small group. We encourage you to join a small group. Talk about scripture. Talk about the word of God. You know, if you want to get it tattooed in Greek, that's fine too. But it's way more important to just do what God is asking us to do. So today we're going to look at John 15. And we're going to look at how Jesus says to stay connected to him, the vine. And then what happens when we stay connected to Jesus. And a lot of this today isn't going to be like brand new information. It's not going to blow your mind or anything of some wonderful theology. that's going to, uh, you know, just change your whole perspective on life. A lot of this is just going to be a reminder to do what we know to do. But if we just do what God has told us to do, what we know we're supposed to do, everything's going to work out all right. Well, in John 15, we're going to open here. Jesus is having a very important conversation with his disciples. They had just finished what is, you know, commonly referred to as the Last Supper, which is where we get communion from. And they go for a walk. So they've been talking, they've taken communion together, the Last Supper, and now they're going for a walk. And I want you to think for a moment 
if you knew you had one final night with your closest friends and family, how you spent that night would be pretty important. The things you said would be pretty meaningful, right? You would take the time to be intentional to say what you wanted to say. And that's what's happening here. It says after the supper, they got up, they left the room, they go for this walk. And it's a walk Jesus knows he's not coming back from. Jesus understands this is the last walk he's taking with his disciples before he goes and dies. And on this walk, they would have passed all kinds of vineyards uh, in this area on their way to the Mount of Olives where the Garden of Gethsemane was located. They would have passed all these vineyards. And so Jesus uses this key moment and uses the surroundings, all the things that he sees around him, and he uses it to communicate a very clear point to his disciples before he leaves them. And it's something they very much need to get and understand. So that's where we open up in John 15, verse 5. Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. I love that promise. He says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you are going to produce fruit. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. But then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burnt. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Look at verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. When you produce fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with joy. Yes, so your joy will overflow. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Listen to this. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. You didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. We're going to get into that a little bit today. And I think some of that is a paradigm shift to American culture and American Christianity. This idea that we found Jesus. No, he found us. He appointed us to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name, verse 17. This is my command, love each other. There's a lot packed into these 12 verses here. So we're not going to go over it all, but we're going to go over some of it today. And the first thing, if you are taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is that Jesus was telling his disciples and he's telling us today that Jesus is our vine. Jesus is our vine. You know, we lived in Salem, Oregon for a number of years. 
and uh, well, a couple years. And when we first moved in, uh, we were, you know, well, we were looking for houses. When we first looked at houses, we found this house. And on the back porch of this house that we moved into, they had this pergola. You know, and a pergola is one of those, you know, wood structures that you have over a patio. And so it has, you know, four posts and then it has these wood slats on top. And so the sun can kind of peek through those wood slats. Well, the people before us, they had planted these wisteria vines that grew up, you know, the side of the pergola and then covered the top. So the thing was completely shaded. And when we first moved in, I, I thought these things were beautiful. I thought they were gorgeous. You know, we have them here. Even the other day, we were driving around, and Brooke was like, look at all the wisteria, you know, all the beautiful purple wisteria vines everywhere. They're blooming and all that. And so I thought it was beautiful when we first moved in, and we, we liked it. But after a while, I looked up at the wisteria, and I began to see that the vines were growing under the siding of my house. I thought, that's not good. And if that's happening at your house, it's not good, okay? you got to fix that problem, or it's going to cause major problems. So I go up there. You know, and I grab some hedge clippers and I go up and I trim the vines that are growing up under the siding. You know, and I'm feeling like a man, you know, because I went up there. I did something manly. I, I chopped some things, cut them back, got down, admired my wonderful work. And then a couple months later, I noticed those same vines were growing back up under the siding again. So at this point, I'm a little annoyed. It's now summertime. It's hot. It's humid. I don't want to be outside chopping these vines again for the second time, but I get up there, I'm on the pergola, but this time I'm not leaving any room for this to happen again. So I'm up there, I'm cutting, I'm chopping. I mean, I'm feeling manly. I'm grunting, you know, like Tim Allen on home improvement, right? Like I'm like, I can do this. And I'm cutting everything in sight and I'm just chopping all these things. And then I get down and I bring Brooke out and I'm like, look, man, do good things. Chop. No worry. She's like, yeah, that looks great. But you cut off all the pretty flowers. I was like, I don't care. It's not growing under my house siding anymore. I'm protecting the house. A couple months go by. I walk outside. Those stinking vines had grown up under the house siding again. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I go to the store. I grab the little putty, you know, that you put on trees whenever they grow limbs. You don't want them to grow back. I grab that. I go up there to where the wisteria is, and I find the vines that are growing up under the siding. See, I don't want the wisteria to leave. Like, we want it to stay there. But the ones that are growing up under the siding, those are the ones causing the problems. And I realized that I just kept cutting off the ends of those limbs, but I wasn't chopping them off at their source. So I went to found their source where they were growing from the main vine, you know, from the main trunk. And then I chopped them off and I put that little putty on them so they would never grow again. And to this day, I still hope that they have never grown back. But I don't know. I don't live there anymore. But I learned a valuable lesson that day. That is, anytime a branch is connected to its source of life, even when it gets chopped back, it's going to grow again. Those vines that were connected, those branches that were connected to the source of its nutrients, connected to the ground, getting the nutrients from the the main, you know, trunk of those vines, they're going to continue to grow even if they get chopped back. The same thing is true for us. If we stay connected to Jesus, our vine, sometimes life is going to cut us down. Sometimes we're going to experience hard times. We're going to experience setbacks. But if we stay connected to the source of our life, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to flourish, even if we're chopped back. The one thing we can't do 
is allow the circumstances of life to cut us back and then cut us off from our source. If we stay connected to our our vine, if we stay connected to Jesus, we're going to continue to flourish. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this idea to consider this morning. Jesus said if we remain in him and he remains in us, we're going to bear fruit. Right? I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. We only bear fruit that matters when we stay connected to the vine. See, we're all bearing fruit. There's things being produced through our lives. But we're only going to produce fruit that matters, that stands the test of time when we stay connected to our vine. We bear spiritual fruit that lasts. You know, there's uh, this pretty sobering verse in Corinthians where Paul talks about all that we've done on this earth is one day going to be tested by fire. He says those that have done works on earth that were wood and straw, that fire is going to come. It's going to burn it all up. It's going to be meaningless. But those that have done works on earth that were uh, gems and, and, and solid, that fire is going to come, and it's just going to purify it. And it's going to stand the test of time. We only bear that type of fruit when we stay connected to Jesus. If we become disconnected from Jesus, if we allow life circumstances or boredom or whatever it may be, or pursuing other things that are not Jesus, we allow anything to stand in the way and we get disconnected from Jesus, whatever fruit we bear is not going to last. We only bear lasting fruit, fruit that matters when we stay connected to Jesus. So the rest of the time today, we're going to look at five characteristics of staying connected to Jesus. All right? So we need to stay connected to Jesus. In order to produce good fruit, in order to be true disciples, we've got to stay connected. So we're going to look at some characteristics of connection. What does staying connected to Jesus look like? And what does it not look like? The first thing, number one, is it's genuine. Connection to Jesus, a true connection to our vine, Jesus, is a genuine connection. See, we're to stay connected to Jesus because we want to. Not because we feel obligated to. Not because our parents did or our spouse does. Not because we want our kids to, but because we want to. We have a genuine desire to connect with Jesus because of how much he loves us. See, the root of our connection to Jesus should not be obligation. It should be love. Now, there are certain times in life that we know we have to act our way into desire. We have to just put one foot in front of the other and do what we know we're supposed to do, even though we don't feel like it. Because love is not a feeling anyways, right? Love is a choice. We have to choose to connect to Jesus, but it's not supposed to be out of obligation. It should be out of love. See, the root of Jesus' sacrifice for us was not obligation. It was love. Jesus came to this earth and took on the frail form of a human being so that he could die on the cross for our sins, so that we could be set free because he loves us so much, because he cares for us. It wasn't out of obligation. It was out of love. You know, we read in verse 14 and 15 that Jesus says, I call you my friends. You're my friends. In a friendship, you want to spend time with one another. Most of the time. There might be some friends, you know, you're like, yeah, I like them most of the time. But in a friendship, we want to hang out. We want to talk. That's why we're friends. You know, especially as adults. I mean, as children, you know, you kind of like, you don't get to pick your friends as much. Like you're placed in a classroom and it's like, these are your friends. Whether you like it or not, this is your friend group, right? And your parents, like they have friends. And so you go to your, your parents' friend's house and your, your, your parents are like, hey, those two kids, those are your new friends. 
Whether you like it or not, we like the parents, so you're going to like the children, okay? You're friends. We are? Like, absolutely. And as a kid, you know, sometimes it's easy. But as, as adults, we get to choose who our friends are. So when we say, hey, we're going to go watch, you know, Auburn lose last night. <clears throat> Roll Tide. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not even, I didn't even watch the Alabama game. I heard we won, but like, woo, great. I don't care that much about Alabama basketball, but it was nice to see Auburn lose, you know. Uh, but when we say, hey, we're going to go watch the game, who do you go watch it with? Your friends, because you want to hang out with your friends because they provide the best food or have the biggest TV or whatever, you know. This is what Jesus is after with his followers, a genuine friendship. Or you want to hang out with him. You want to spend time with him. See, a connection to Jesus is supposed to be genuine. Number two, the second thing about, uh, second characteristic of connection is it's exclusive. See, the branch has a committed relationship with the vine. The branch belongs to the vine. The branch isn't sizing up other vines across town, right? It's like, well, that vineyard looks a little more enticing. I think I'll go over there. That's not how grapevines work. It's exclusive. You know, there's all kinds of false vines in life. Things that promise you something they can't deliver. Your career promises you contentment. Promises you money and happiness, but it can't deliver. Power, bigger house, bigger car, consumerism, they all promise things they can't deliver. They're false finds. They say, if you stay connected to this, if you really plug into this, if you are able to buy this, if you're able to get this, then your life is going to be better. Everything is going to be fine. All your problems are going to go away. Those are just false vines. They're empty promises. In the New Life version, John 15, uh, verse 1, states it this way. Jesus says, I am the true vine. That's the truth. Jesus is the true vine. We're only content when we're connected with Jesus. That's how Paul writes, I've found the secret of contentment. Whether I have everything or I have nothing, I am content because I have Jesus. See, a connection with Jesus is to be exclusive. The third thing is to be continuous. Choosing to follow Jesus isn't a one-time decision. We say, you know what? I believed in Jesus, you know, when I was six when I was eight, the preacher said, who wants to follow Jesus? I raised my hand. I prayed the prayer. I'm good. That's all I need. It's to be this continuous connection, not a one-time deal. In order for us to fully receive from Jesus all that he has to offer us, we shouldn't have an on-again, off-again connection with Jesus. It should be a continuous connection. You know, a while back, we left the house, and one of our kids was watching a show on the iPad. And uh, we go downstairs, and they're still watching the show on the iPad. As we load them up into the car, they get in the car. They're still watching the show on the iPad. The car backs out of the, uh, the garage, you know, in the driveway. They're still watching the show on the iPad. We get about, I don't know, maybe 30 yards down the street, and all of a sudden the kid starts yelling. You know, they were much younger at the time. They're like, ah, what's happening? My show's not working. Show's not working. Like, what's going on? And it was like, uh, yeah, we were on Wi-Fi. We're no longer on Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi in the street, so it's not going to work anymore, right? And the kid is like, can I get on your hotspot? Because they understand continuous connection is important. An interrupted connection means they can't watch Mickey Mouse or whatever it was they were watching at the time. 
you know. They, our kids are much, they haven't watched Mickey Mouse in years. I just miss those days. Might miss Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, right? All the parents, you know, that their kids are watching the dumbest cartoons ever now. Like Mickey Mouse, at least they taught them like their letters and words and stuff and their colors. And those of you who have small kids, you're like, I hate Mickey Mouse. And I can't wait for this season to be over because it's all you watch. But I enjoyed it. The connection needs to be continuous to get everything that Jesus has for us. It's if, if, it, if it's off again, on again, we're not going to get everything that Jesus has for us. See, our connection to Jesus needs to be one of continuous connection where it's not sporadic. See, the desire of Jesus is to comfort, to calm, to heal, to strengthen, to guide, to redeem, to restore you. That's the desire of Jesus. But he can't. We can't receive if we're disconnected. He says, we read it. There, there's some great, like, encouraging, promising truths we read in that verse. But there are some difficult things to hear, too. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Branches that don't produce fruit are gathered up thrown away. It's to be a continuous connection. You know, I can tell when I'm not pursuing Jesus, personally. I can tell when I'm pursuing something else. Because there's these these things about Nathan that start to surface when I'm not staying connected to Jesus. My actions become less selfless and become more selfish. I become impatient. I can become much less caring much more self-absorbed when I'm not connected to Jesus. I can tell. And when I can't hear God telling me that I'm disconnected, like when I just can't, you know, I don't even hear him saying, you're disconnected, you need to get connected again. It's okay for me. I have a wife that'll do that for me. It's pretty great. She's like, you need to go spend some time with Jesus. I can tell. No, how many of you, no, we won't go through that. Uh, When our connection is continuous, when it's continuous, number four, it's progressive. When our connection is continuous, it's also progressive. See, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more like Jesus we become. The less time we spend with Jesus, the less like Jesus we become. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more like Jesus we become. It's progressive. It continues. See, it's about progress not perfection. Staying connected to Jesus, following Jesus is about progressing. It's not about attaining perfection because let me be clear, you will not attain perfection on this side of heaven. Until we reach heaven, none of us will be perfect. But we are to be getting better. We are to be progressing, becoming more like Jesus. And whenever we progress, become more like Jesus, let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. This is the type of fruit that is produced in us and through us. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I bet when I said, when I was reading John 15, and we're talking about producing fruit, I bet your mind went to all kinds of ways you can produce fruit in light of the kingdom of God. Well, I'm going to win some people to Jesus, go on a mission trip, and all those things are good. But did you think, man, if I stay connected to Jesus, the type of fruit in my life that's going to be produced is patience. 
Did anyone think of patience? No, because patience isn't sexy. It's not cool. It's like, man, I'm super patient. Everyone's like, yeah, he's patient. She's patient. Way to go. But this is the type of fruit he says is going to be produced in our lives. Love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't think we talk about gentleness and self-control enough. When we're harsh, maybe we're not staying connected to Jesus. Because the fruit that is produced in our lives when we are connected to our vine is gentleness, self-control. I think a lot of us have experienced the hurt of someone else's harshness, right? These are the type of fruits. He says when we stay connected... This is the progressiveness of this, all right? As we stay connected to Jesus, we get better. We become more like Jesus. And Jesus was completely full of love, completely full of joy, completely full of peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits, they take time. They don't grow overnight. They don't happen overnight. You don't just instantly become patient. I mean, it's possible. God might miraculously just make you peaceful and patient, but really these fruits, they grow. You know, one of our kids uh, really likes to grow things. They're just like their mom. They love to, you know, plant gardens and plants and have them grow and look pretty. And then, you know, and then if they're uh, vegetables and fruits, we eat them. Well, a number of years ago, uh, Brooke had this strawberry plant outside. And this, this boy of ours, like he loved being out there. And every day he would go and check on the strawberries progress every single day. It was the cutest thing. He would go out there and he would hold the little strawberries in his hand, like as they're still connected. And then he would talk to him. He would, he would kiss the little strawberries. And every time without fail, without fail, before that strawberry is ready, while it's still green, he would eat it. And every time he'd eat it, he'd be like, Oh, that's not good. Like, cause it's not ready. It's not ready. He learned a valuable lesson. Growth takes time. It just takes time. Growing the right type of fruit takes time. The same is true in our walk with Jesus. If you look at your life, it's like, I am not where I wanted to be by now. If you're staying connected to Jesus, are you progressing? Maybe you're not where you wanted to be, but are you getting closer to that point? If not, yeah, definitely reevaluate the connection. It's like, I'm not even closer at all in the same place. Then there might be some things that you need to reorganize to stay a little connected to Jesus, allow his Holy Spirit to come in and to change and form you. But other times it's just like, yeah, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm a lot better than I was. Growth just takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's not a four-week class you can take, and then you're going to know everything you need to know. You're going to be the person that you were called to be. Four-week classes are great. There's nothing wrong with them, but you can't take one four-week class. You can't take 24-week classes and be all that God has called you to be. Growth happens when we stay connected to Jesus. Life change happens when we stay connected to Jesus. Number five, connection to Jesus is to be responsive. It is responsive. See, Jesus is the one who initiates the connection. He initiated the relationship when he created you. He initiated the relationship when he died and rose again. He initiated the relationship with you. It's up to us to respond to his invitation. It's up to us to respond to his grace. It's up to us to respond 
to his words, to scripture. Look at verse 16. We read it a moment ago. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. See, our connection to Jesus is a response to him. Responding to Jesus takes action. That action needs to be intentional. It needs to be deliberate. It doesn't just happen by accident. We need to respond to his invitation. You know, being intentional in our response to Jesus is really about instituting habits in our lives that keep our connection to Jesus continuous. Jesus has invited us into a close, personal, reciprocal relationship. But it's up to us to respond to that invitation and institute healthy habits in our life, like prayer, talking to Jesus. I was reminded a lot this past week by Jesus that I've made some decisions in the past year without even talking to him. And part of that, I was just kind of frustrated, a little stressed. And I was like, God, why am I stressed? Like, what? I did, this happened, and we bought that and did that. I was like, I'm stressed. I'm trying to figure out this. And I just very clearly, Jesus was like, well, did you ask me about it? No. Never even, never talked to you about it. Well, that's probably the first problem. Prayer should be our very first response to anything we face in life. Because... It's the greatest gift we have. Scripture and prayer are the two greatest gifts that we have from God. He said, look at the Old Testament. You had to go to the temple and then you had to talk to a priest. And then the priest, like one time a year, could go behind this curtain and offer sacrifices. But then Jesus died. And when he died, that curtain was split, torn in two and said, now every single person from here on out has direct access to God through prayer. We've got to institute habits in our life that keep our pursuit of Jesus, our connection to Jesus, continuous. Prayer. Reading scripture. God's given us his word, and he said, not only am I giving you my words, they're going to be perfect, they're going to be infallible. My Holy Spirit is going to embody those words so that when you read scripture, the Holy Spirit is going to connect with your spirit, and you're going to begin to change. You're going to begin to grow. You're going to begin to experience those fruits of peace and life and joy. But if you don't crack open the book, if you don't read it or listen to it on your app, Brooke and I do that all the time too. You know, just, you know, we're talking about reading. It couldn't be listening, but I'm just using it here so I don't have to qualify it every time. But if we don't do that, we're missing out on one of the greatest gifts to us as believers. I mean, I'm stressed, I'm worried, I'm angry, I'm anxious, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm exhausted beyond belief, I'm overwhelmed, whatever it may be. And it's like, how, have you read the word lately? Have you spent time just marinating, meditating on the word of God? Because I can tell you there are times I'm overwhelmed. There are times I'm stressed. When I've been gone like seven nights in a week because every single child that we have, all 18 of them are playing some sort of sport and we're getting home at 10 every night. It's like, I haven't worked out. I'm not eating right. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just overwhelmed. Like, well, did you read your Bible? No, I haven't read my Bible. I've done nothing but cart kids everywhere. And then I just spend a few moments in the Word. A few moments, and then there's just, there's just this verse. There's this phrase. There's this line, and it just begins to wash over, and the peace begins to come. And God says, it's all going to be all right. But if I don't institute that habit in my life, if that's not a place where I'm going to go, 
to experience Jesus, I'm missing out on something that he's promised to give me. Worship. We come here on Sunday mornings and we sing. And for some of us, that's the only time we worship all week long. Let me tell you, if this is the only time you worship all week long, you're missing out on some pretty amazing times with the Lord. There's been so many times in my life where I've called a friend and just said, oh, this is happening. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated or stressed or whatever. And thankfully, I have some, some good friends in my life. And Paul, especially, he always talks to me and he's like, have you just worshiped? It's not like you just need to worship a little bit. I was like, I don't want to thank God for nothing right now. Right? Like, let's be real. Sometimes that's the way I feel. And he's like, yeah, you really need to go and worship. And he's right. And I'll just turn on the radio and I'll just sing and worship. Because what happens when we worship, when we put the focus on God and his goodness and his glory and his power, all the things we have in our life that seem so big become infinitely smaller. Say, yeah, I might be sick. I might be this and I might have that happen. But I get to spend eternity in heaven because of your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for all the times I've messed up and you loved me anyway. If we want to become more like Jesus, we have to just do the things we know we're supposed to do. And I wish, like I really wish I could stand here and say, ooh, I got two things that are going to change your life forever and you've never heard them before. Because you guys would think I was, I was so awesome that I came up with these two things. They don't exist. Jesus said, Worship, pray, read scripture, meditate on the word. That's what he said to do. Fellowship with other believers. You got that? You're here this morning. Way to go. You did that one. You know, sometimes I, I, I think when I read this, I'm going to produce lasting fruit if I stay connected to Jesus. I, I begin to think, you know, I, I was uh, in school. You know, everybody has their own approach to school. My approach was I, I really like to get good grades. I liked getting good grades, and I wanted to make, you know, good grades on the test. And I personally, I liked tests. I know that sounds weird to most of you. It's like, you like, I liked tests. Because whenever I finished a test and then I got a good grade, it was like, I did that. Like, I passed the test. I got an A or whatever. It was like, I did, I felt accomplished by that. Some of you are like, I have no idea what that feels like. And that's okay. I'm just giving you an example from my life. And there were times I didn't do well, and I was mad. You know, so there's that. If you don't do well and it doesn't make you mad, cool, whatever. But for me, when I read this, sometimes I think, well, what's, what's like the test of if my life is producing fruit? I mean, how can I pass this test, right? Like, what does that look like? I mean, I can pray, I can read, you know, I can do this. And like, but what does it really look like? And Jesus, he, he's told us what it looks like. He said, what it looks like to be my true disciple is to love others the way that I loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. So when I think about my life and I ask it, that question of, am I producing the fruit I want to produce? When you ask us, am I really progressing? Am I getting better? Do you love people more now than you used to? Do you have a, is your love growing? And if you say, you know, my love's not growing, that's okay. You have an opportunity this morning to start staying connected to Jesus and allowing that love to grow again. The true test of, 
am I really, am I doing it? Am I following Jesus? Is your love growing? Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love each other the way I've loved you. Now think about the way Jesus loved his disciples. Think about the way Jesus loved us. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were sitting here, uh, it was like two or three weeks ago. Pastor Gabriel was talking. I was sitting right over there. And Ethan, our son, leans over to me. He looks at me and he asks mom, he goes, is dad crying? She's like, yeah, he's crying. They asked me why I was crying. I said, for one of the first times in a long time, I was just captured by how much Jesus loved me. And in all my mistakes, and all my sin, and all the things that I've done wrong in my life, of all the ways that I'm nowhere near where I want to be, Jesus, he died on the cross for me. I think sometimes when we follow Jesus for a long time, for me, it's been a very long time. Over 30 years, I've been following Jesus. We just kind of forget the pain and suffering he went through that he didn't have to go through. He didn't have to go through any of it. He lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth. But he said, I'm going to die because I love you. And not only was I so caught by that and so just, it was very meaningful to me, but I thought, I am not loving people in my life like that. Granted, I might have been angry at a child or two that morning, right? Might have been angry at someone or whatever. Probably just going to feel that sense of, man, if Jesus gave it all for me, why is it so hard for me to give just a little bit to other people sometimes? And I was so in, just caught up by his sacrifice and thought, that's, I want my life to be a sacrifice. Because that's what love looks like. Is your love growing? You know, there are people who know the Bible back and forth, but treat other people really poorly. Sadly, that's a fact. Some people, they know the Bible intellectually, but they're not connected to Jesus and they treat other people really bad. They don't actually love people. The people who are following Jesus love people because Jesus loves people. Even those that hate us. Jesus said, we're to love those who persecute us. We're to bless our enemies and love them. Would you close your eyes this morning? I want to just take a a moment of reflection. And really, it's a moment for you uh, to be really honest with yourself. Being honest with yourself. 